0: also from St. Luke 6.38. If you just want to mark things; that'll be fine, so you'll know that they're in there, that I'm reading them right. It just simply says, Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you, Again. And I want to read St. Luke 18, 18. At least call your attention to that portion of it. And read a very old familiar scripture that says, A certain ruler asked Jesus, saying, Good Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is God. Thou knowest... Now notice the subject here is inheriting eternal life. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, distribute unto the poor. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me." When he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. What Jesus was saying simply there was total commitment. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 simply says, But but at this I say, Paul speaking, He that soweth sparingly shall also reap, reap also sparingly, he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Our subject tonight... It's going to be on giving. Now, I don't expect you to shout, but I do expect you to listen. Okay, I made the statement that I wasn't going to pester you anymore about giving, and that was what I said. That's what God not what God wants. It did dawn on me that most of us have heard the fact that we should tithe and we should give offerings. And that is a fact. I'm not going to do away with that, but I'm not going to deal with that. It dawned on me that perhaps many of us don't understand how God looks upon giving. We don't understand the basis and the significance of it, whether it be great or whether it be small. We don't understand with what attitude we ought to give. We don't understand the fact that we really ought to give. Always this has been God's way of financing the house of worship and his priest or his ministers. This is traced from the time of temple worship was established in Cato over into the New Testament. There's no breaking down of that. I mean we can pick out scriptures that will not stand alone that will seem to contradict it, but when you keep it all in parallel with one another, everything leads to the fact that we owe to God. It belongs to him. Now, I'm not going to talk tonight on ties, which is God's anyway. I mean, that is not ours giving. That just belongs to Him anyway. That That is not ours. I mean, we ought to understand that right off. That is not ours. But I am going to talk about the, the suffering of giving and how God looks upon that. Now, I want your full attention. I want you to understand this, that if you leave mad at me, I still love you. And my intention is tonight is to help you get into the kingdom of God and uh, to make it the way that it ought to be in the Lord. And if I misquote or use something wrong, uh, as far as you're concerned, why you're welcome to come and we can discuss it. If you feel like I have been erroneous or I have fed you some untruths or something, then you feel free to come and discuss it with me because I want us to do everything right as far as God is concerned and do it according to Scripture. And of course we can't do that of course if we don't understand what Scripture says. So I'm going to take some time tonight to point, paint a picture to you that's going to be taken from St. Mark the 12th chapter and the 41st verse. This title I suppose would be one is The Odd Places That Jesus Sat. And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. There came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. Now that's supposedly, some disagree on that, but most of them uh, feel like in our money that's a half a cent. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them... Now notice he is seeing everything that goes on. Calling him his disciples and he called unto his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in their, out of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had even all her living. Now, this is a touching picture of a lonely widow who had lost her husband, whose heart was sad, whose means were scanty, and whose life was obscure. But she found strength and consolation waiting upon God in the temple. Now, you'll notice in something that we ought to look at this, the temple really wasn't a place that God really smiled on at that time. But yet it was still a worship place and the place to go. And this little widow went there and she found strength and consolation there regardless of all the incidents that was against God. She was going for the right reason. Now the temple is an appointed place of worship. And it provided opportunities for divine communion with God. And this was dear to this little lady's heart. And she could not be absent from any of the services. You'll find in some of the writings of people who have gathered some evidence of this, that she never missed a service. It was here in the temple, regardless of how vile it might have been, regardless of how far from God it might have been, regardless of their failure to keep commandments, it was here that this little lady found strength to face her life and found consolation. So you see, you can find what you need in the house of God, whether it's the right way it ought to be or whether it isn't. And not only should she not be absent, there was something about the temple that drew this little lady there. It was there again that any consolation she had in her life, she found it in the presence of God in the house of God. But she couldn't withhold her little gift. As she passed by the treasury, while everybody else maybe was throwing in quite a bit, She couldn't uh, pass that treasury and leave the scene of worship unless she left her little bit in it. I'm going to speak tonight about what God notices, what He sees. And I think we can take some lessons from that. And this was noticed and commended by the Master. You see, her memory is immortalized in the book. You read about that, and their action become a model, and he is even yet today an inspiration to God's people through all times. So when you read that, it seems insignificant in a sense, but it's just right before Jesus pronounced judgment on the temple, and he was setting setting over against the treasure. And what we can we can learn from this incident? What we're going to have to try to find out now. We learn how God considers giving. What God looks upon as he saw the individuals passing by the treasury, which again was the way the temple was financed and the ministry in the temple was financed, and the furniture in the temple was financed, was through the giving of individuals, through their tithing, through their offerings and whatever it was. And Jesus sitting there was noticing not only what they were giving, but they was noticing the attitude that they were giving it. And the view is taken by the world is different than ours. We as Christians are bound by what God teaches, not by what the world thinks or what the world says, but we are bound by what God teaches us. We're not bound by passed down uh, religiosity. We're not bound by what we've always thought. We're not bound by how we was raised. We're not bound by how the world thinks about it or what we think about it. We are bound by what God teaches us about it. That's the same thing in everything else. And the amount we give is really not what God looks at. Although He does consider what we give. But the amount we give still yet is not what God looks at. The might of the widow was more approved of God than the gold of all the wealthy. Now why was this? Because this poor widow gave of her want. She gave all that she had, even all her living or what she had for that day's substance. In other words, she sacrificed. You see, this scriptures I read intimately that sacrificing and giving is necessary. In other words, she, she was trusting God because she was giving what God, she felt God required and she was giving out of her grateful heart for the consolation she received from God that she couldn't receive anyplace else. And God had regard not for what man merely gives, but God has regards as what He keeps. You see, the purpose and intent for which the offering is given, that is important. If it's given grudgingly, if it's given to secure preeminence, if it's given to make an impression, it is not regarded by God as giving to His cause. God looks at it as to how you're giving it, what you're giving it. Our motive has to be to furnish a place of worship, has to be provide for the ministry, the furnishing house of God, and it must be given out of a cheerful heart. If we can't give it that way, then we must not give it at all and you're still going to be chargeable to God. You're going to be chargeable to God even more so if you feel coerced into giving it and you come and give it out of spite or out of whatever you might give it out grudgingly. God wants it out of a cheerful heart because the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. And it's God's promise that if we give for those reasons and in this manner, we can expect to receive from God. A lot of times we don't receive from God because we give the wrong way. A gift is accepted in what man has. and not accepted in what we have not. Christ set over against the treasury. And if he help how the people cast money into the treasury, and whether we recognize it or not, he still sets over against the treasury. What we cast into the offering plate or what we give is still noticed by God. Not necessarily the huge amounts we give, but the attitude we give it in, and even the small amounts, you see a lot of us sometimes figure, well, I can't give much, and so we don't give at all. Well, uh, that's what the point that I'm trying to get, is you give, and you give sacrificially, and we all give, and we give sacrificially, Well, then God is going to honor, and God is going to bless us. But if we feel like we have to give just out of giving, or well, we're not going to get any blessing for that. And so Jesus still sets over against the treasury, and where he sat was a deliberate place. He meant to sit there. It wasn't that he couldn't find a seat anyplace else, but he wanted to sit there because he could notice the different classes of people. He could see whether they were rich or whether they were poor, and he beheld how they cast it in. In other words, those piercing eyes of the Master at that time could see what reason they were giving. Was it preeminence? Was it just to hold an official place in the temple? Was it for people to look on them and say, this individual gives so much? Or was they actually giving out of the abundance of what they had rather than the sacrificing of what they had? You see, a lot of us give, and we may give more than others, but we're not sacrificing at all. We still take what is left over and we still waste a whole lot of it. Christians should never waste money. Alright? We should never waste money on selfish things, elaborate things, while the things of God go waste. Missionaries and all of these things. Uh, we should give to a suffering of ourselves. Give where it hurts where we miss it. The fact that we miss it, that it takes something out away from our pleasures and what we can do, and we miss it doesn't make any difference if you give a dollar, if you're going to miss that dollar, if it hurts you to give that dollar, then God looks on it and sees it, and He blesses it. And if you give a hundred dollars, you don't miss that hundred dollars, and you still go ahead and waste your money on extravagant things, do whatever you want to with it, well then God does not regard that as much as regards the dollar that the individual put in, which was a suffering on their part. So you see, he beheld he how they cast it in, and no individual escaped his attention. And even the poor widow was observed. Observed, And this was his last act, as I said before, for, for pronouncing judgment on the temple forever. Now his look then was penetrating. He knew what was in man. Now it would be ambiguous for me to say that his look then was penetrating, and it is not now. Because it still is. When God looks and He sees, He observes, He knows. And His look is penetrating in it, and He sees how He cast it in. And God knew then, Jesus knew, He knows now, the secret thoughts of the individual that give are the secret thoughts of the individual that does not. And He even knew the history of the gift, as well as He knew the astral gift. And His judgments was made on the basis of of how the little woman suffered to give what she, know, what she gave. And he noted the motives and he noted the feelings of the individuals, the spirit of sacrifice, the enthusiasm of giving was amazing. It was noted by Jesus. Now that's not just put in there for us to read. That's put in there tonight for you and I to see and understand how Jesus looks at giving. What he thinks about giving. What he thinks about the method and modes of giving. As I said, a lot of people cast in of their abundance. Their comforts are not decreased. Their uh, luxury still abound. And there's no sacrifice even on their part. And the little lady that given in sacrifice, one half a cent. Now that's not very much. But to her, that was a sacrifice. She was giving beyond her means to give. Why did she do that? Simply because she believed God enough to believe that if she gave it, He would return it unto her and even more so. You see, a lot of us don't prosper because we don't give. A lot of us don't prosper because we don't give in a sacrificial manner or sacrificial way. And if we could grasp that truth today, that truth tonight of this little woman and then that our sacrifice is what bears fruit, as individuals and as a church. Now, Second Corinthians twelve one and two it talks about the Macedonian churches gave not only to their power, or what they were able to give, but they gave beyond their power. You read that for yourself, their deep poverty abounding to the riches of their liberality. In other words, giving out of their poverty caused them to abound in the riches of their giving. And as they give unto God, God gives to them that they might in turn give God more. You see, God don't give back to you for you to spend on yourself. After all, the purpose and mode of the house of God and Christians is to reach the lost and dying world before Jesus comes. And every sin that we can possibly instill into the kingdom of God ought to be placed in there. Because your property, whatever else you've got, will not amount to hill beans... When the time comes that they want to take it all from you, store up what was the Bible said? Uh, your your moths will eat and all this and all whatever you've stored up is not going to be good for you at all. So I noticed the Macedonian churches and what they were doing, but by as I was looking at that, I thought by today's standards the widow would be severely ridiculed. I have been places where. I have heard ministers tell individuals that didn't have much, don't give anything. That's an injustice to those individuals. Can I hear an amen? Amen. That's an injustice to them. Now you'll never find me telling you not to give. You give and God will bless you. He said he would. And the question that I thought, why would she be giving to others when she didn't have enough for herself? And it would be hard to find anybody in our way of thinking That wouldn't blame her for her act today. But also it would be hard to find anybody that would imitate her. Alright? I mean, we would get down on her and we would say, how foolish that is, lady, for you to give your living on that day not knowing where you're going to get it tomorrow at, how foolish it is for you to give that. In other words, she's being ridiculed by trusting in God. She's being ridiculed for doing what God has told us all to do. Give sacrificially. That's what he was saying to that young ruler. When it comes to uh, the pocketbook, so you've kept all the other commandments. And then he's saying, sell all you have. In other words, sacrificially give. Where it affects you. Where you will know that you're giving. And where you're sacrificing in your giving. So what limit should we put upon our gifts? Well, when you face... The fact of what Jesus done, to Him we owe everything, don't we? To Him we owe our life and we owe our bread. To Him we owe the light of the morning. To Him we owe the cool of the evening. To Him we owe our affections. To Him we owe our friendship. We owe the perfect gifts of righteousness, of hope, of faith, and of love. And uh, I think uh, the Apostle Paul in writing 2 Corinthians sometimes stood up and said, Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift." This is when he was talking to churches about giving, and then he was lost up in what Christ had given for us. And all he was asking a little bit was sacrificially giving of our time and our money. If we could number the sand of the sea and the sand of the seashores, we could do that easily, and then we could number the gifts that God has given us by His bountiful hand. So I'm asking this night, and if you'll stay with me, I have a reason for this. I'm asking, why do we shortchange God when He talks to us in monetary situations? Why do we shortchange God? Now, here's a summation of that. The winner's might, not much value, but it was all she had. And it showed her faith and her self-denial. It showed her willingness to sacrifice. The Lord, looking at that, measured the merit of her giving, not by the amount she gave, but by her self-denial in giving it and her willingness to do it. You see, Christ sees all things. He saw this poor winner. He saw what she gave. He saw why she gave. He observes us today. And He's still interested in what goes into the treasury and what attitude we give it or if we give it all. He's still interested in what happens. You see, three things is taken into account in giving. The motive of giving has to be for the glory of God, has to be on obedience to his commandment, a manner of giving, not by strength constraint, but of a ready mind, and so God loves a cheerful giver. And the major at least in the proportion as God has prospered us. Now notice real carefully that's one thing. God does not want us necessarily To function as a body Only in spiritual things He does want that But he wants us to function As a body in material and natural things also Now have you ever noticed Our lack of this as a church Have you ever noticed Fasting and praying Some do and some don't Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Have you ever noticed our worship Some worship and some don't Have you ever worshipped our attendance Some attend and some don't Have you ever noticed our attendance in prayer before services? Some attend and some don't. Have you ever noticed anything really that we have done here or doing here where we have simply got full body cooperation? What I'm saying, saints, is important. What I'm saying is important to our own spiritual life and what we do as far as community chapel is concerned. And now I want you all to go home after this, and that's why I'm getting you out early. And have a good talk with yourself as to your giving. Now, I said all that to say this. Now, buckle your seatbelts. I have tried for the last three months to make known our dire need, our finances, and to no avail. I have approached it in almost every way that I know how. And some of the response I get is that people are giving till it hurts. Well, some may be but others are not. I happen to know that. You happen to know that. And I'm not mad at you, okay? But I am serious on this one thing because it deserves a serious note. Now, if the giving, and you mark this down, and this is not an I am afraid. it's not a threat at all, This I have talked this over with the board, and this is the only thing I knew to do in order to make us realize the necessity if things remain the same, Giving remains the same. We will have exhausted all our finances by the last of February. We have consistently used what we have had had, held back, consistently used that, and we have exceeded our income with expenses for three months. Now, we haven't lost anybody. But this began right after the announcement, or just right after the announcement that the church note was paid off. It is just as if there is no other expenses, nothing else is necessary. Some of you have quit giving missionary. This has had to be taken out of general fund to feed missionary. Some of you have quit giving your building fund. Some of you have quit paying tithes, and some of you have cut back on your tithes, and some of you doesn't pay tithes at all. Now the only place I know that can continue to exist very long when their expense outgrows their income is our federal government. They can't, but we can't. And I'm laying heavy on you tonight to make you know how many of you are like this church. Show of hands.
1: Amen.
0: How many of you would like to see it stay in existence? Amen then I'm calling on you, pleading with you, begging with you to get in gear and give God what belongs to Him first and then give Him some of what belongs to you. And I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not doing myself. And this is serious. And like I said, I've, I've explained this all to the board. I've told them that we've gone as far as we can go. By continually, we have $500 left, and there is a close to will be close to $300 gas bill, plus the other bills that's coming in, and it's it's not the fact that it can't be done. It's not that we are asking anything that hasn't been done already. It's the fact that someplace somewhere, the devil has blinded our eyes and our minds to the reality of where we're at as far as God is concerned, in the financial situation. It takes money to run a home, and it takes money to run a church. Now, I would challenge any of you, if you think you can handle the money better, than my wife and I have a go at it. I mean, just come and tell me that you would like to take over the books and handle it, and you can do it. But we've been as frugal as we know how. We have not wasted we have not spent beyond anything other than our bills that have to be paid. Our loan is still $2,300. We haven't paid uh, what we owe off. And we still have our light bill, and we still have our gas bill. We still have uh, incidentals that come up all the time, and we still have pastor's salary and minister's salary. And by the way, I do take a salary. I haven't got rich since I've been here and probably won't get rich after I leave. But I've said all of that to say this. And again, it's not an idle threat. We have until the last of February to do something. Otherwise than that, we can't have a church. It's just that simple. Is, is that a mystery to you? Have you not heard how I have almost begged you to give? Almost challenged you in every way to give? Where were your ears? Did you not hear did you not understand? Did you feel like it would just go on anyway? Somebody else would carry the load anyway? And our, our problems, a lot of it is, is because of some of the meal out of work. But still, the individuals that's here, there's enough of us to meet our legal salary and whatever else we have to and still pay off our bills and still pay off our debts. And I think I'm asking you, I don't think I'm asking anything that is out of the ordinary. I think I'm asking you to help support that which supports you and gives you what you need. Is a little lady came into the temple, regardless of what she thought about individuals that was there, she came anyway because she came for the right reason. She came to receive her strength and her consolation. And she could not keep from going, neither could she keep from giving, because this was command and law of God. Now then, if I have rubbed you the wrong way, we will just have to turn around. All right? Because I don't know of anything else to say to you other than listen, saints. It is serious. And if we don't do it, turn around after God has blessed us. Anytime we were sacrificing and anytime Israel sacrificed, God blessed. When Israel quit sacrificing, God quit blessing. Now I can remember when we first started. We're hardly bringing in very little more, if any more, than when we first started up. Out of old temple Church. Now I can remember the sacrifices it would made. The giving, the enthusiasm, the concern, the desire. Because a vision was caught. I don't know where the vision's gone. I don't know what's happened to us. I'm trying to understand it, saints. And this is a plea from the pulpit and a plea from God. This was something God laid on my heart. I would have rather just had let it go, just like I said. As far as I was concerned, I didn't know anything else to say anyway. But he said, perhaps if you would approach them on my law of giving and that a little bit does mean a lot and that giving sacrificially is not the large doses we give in there all the time. God expects us to do that, and, and but He also expects us to give. You see, we haven't given anything. I'll say that again, and God bless you if you don't or if you do. We haven't given anything until we give God what's His, until we give. what is actually His. That's His in the first place. Alright? But after you give over that, that's yours. And that's what God was talking about. That what Jesus was talking about in Corinthians. is He wasn't talking about tithing. He was talking about out of the abundance of what you have. That's over and above. That's not yours. That's God's. But over an abundance of that, then you give. And the more you give, the more God will prosper you to give more. You see, He doesn't prosper us in our giving just for us to maintain a better style of life.
1: That's right.
0: He doesn't do that. He prospers us so we can give more to the kingdom of God. Yes. And I'm still trying to say, saints, what the important thing is in this day and hour is souls to be reached and you and I to keep together and keep strength and giving strength to one another and having a place to go to have the word of god fed to us and we can rejoice with one another only individuals that have this taken away from them can fully understand it but i pray to god tonight that you can understand again the need for you to be obedient to god you see i still believe god enough to know that if we are if we are we will make it but it has to be a combined effort From every individual, from the lowest individual with the lowest income to the individual with the highest, it has to be given sacrificially until it hurts, until it takes some luxury from us, until it takes something from us that we feel like we want, not what we need. And we say, no, this belongs to God. Now, I will go and tell you one thing. Nothing will be wasted. It will be put to good use in the upkeep. Right. But if you could look around and see how God has blessed us when everybody was giving and giving sacrificially. Well, He still can, but He doesn't only bless us materially. He blesses us spiritually because we have decided this is what God wants. What did he say to the rich young ruler? Rich young ruler said, I have kept this commandment. I've kept that commandment. I've kept the other commandment. Man, if you could just have a church house full of individuals like that. But Jesus looked at him and said, you still are lacking one thing. In spite of everything that you've done or kept, you have not given sacrificially. Now you sell everything that you have, and you begin to distribute to the poor, and you'll eternal life. See, that was the subject. Eternal life. Now then, let's stand. And let's go home. And let's pray. And let's let God talk to us. And let's let God deal with us. You see, it's up to you this has been a stressful thing for me over the last three months. Stressful because I couldn't get anybody to listen. Stressful because I knew what was going to happen. Stressful because no response. But that part's alright. But when I view what could be if we don't respond, how the devil will laugh and everybody else concerned will laugh and that's beside the point too. And what you have to remember, saints, and you may not like what I'm going to say, but you are not here for me. I'm here for you. Can I say that again? You are not here for me. I'm here for you. I responded to the call of God. God responded to the cry of a lot of you. That wanted some place where you thought that would give you more than where you was at. And God responded to that. And God called me when I was away off, headed another direction. Yeah. And sent me this direction with a vision. But that vision was still left up to the church. God is not going to do it just by himself. He's expecting a called-out individuals to give their time, effort, money, and prayer. And He's expecting us to give sacrificially. Now this is if you want to worship here, if you want the church here. If you feel like you could get by without it, you feel like that that maybe you could go someplace else, be just as well off, then of course you won't respond. But if you feel like this is where God sends you, You feel like this is what God wants. You feel like you're a part of it. Well, then there'll be some response, and we'll see it. And we'll get over this hump. And it's up to us. Like I said, I want us to go home and pray about it. And if I made you mad, I apologize. I didn't mean to make an enemy out of you, and I still don't. I love you. But I want more than anything else to see you make it into the kingdom of God and see this place I think I'd do almost anything to get it done, <coughs> anything allowable to the Lord. So I'm going to ask you if we dismiss, please accept this in the spirit that it was intended. I'm not unchristianizing. I'm not casting aspersion on you. I'm just telling you what has to be if we're going to exist. Thank you for one amen. Prove amen. All the church said, Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you again. You're loving and kind Father and you're faithful to us. Now Father, I pray that you would just dig into our hearts. Make us realize, Father, that we owe you. You've given us so much. And you've been so close to us and you've been so faithful. And Father, all you're asking is a little faithfulness and response on our part. We know, God, and you know that we can give it. You wouldn't ask anything of us that we were not able to give. I know that, and the congregation knows that. Now give honor, Father. Our honor is due. And strengthen, Father, in Jesus' name, and let us get a clear picture of what you want out of us individually. Speak to us, Lord. When we ask you, speak to us. And God, if we're giving everything we can, and it's all right between you and them, then God, we can say nothing. But God, challenge us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, God bless you. Please take into consideration what I said and go home and pray about it. okay?